Hey kids, you are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this show is Fish Out of Agua with Michelle Carlo. Today is Tuesday, March 19th, 2019. Yeah, we were on a little bit of a hiatus. What could I say? Sometimes things happen. But we're back with all new episodes, and this one is going to be an epic one. And to open this episode, we also have an epic song for you. One which coincidentally not only has meaning for a guest artist this week, but is also a song from my well-spent youth.
with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. You just heard a kind of, well, heavily edited version of Elton John's Funeral for a Friend, Love Lies Bleeding in My Hand, from his Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album back in 1973. And when I say that's an epic song, it is an epic length song. It's like the Lord of the Ring or the Stand of songs. It's actually almost 11 minutes long, and I didn't realize that when I picked it, and I was like, well, if I play this whole thing, we're not going to have enough time for the interview, <laughs> and I'm actually talking a little bit too much now, so let's get to it with this song, which our guest artist this week handpicked to open this episode.
and we're back again with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. That was Frank Stallone, younger brother of Sylvester Stallone, with Far From Over from the Staying Alive movie soundtrack, which came out in 1983. Staying Alive was actually the sequel to Saturday Night Fever, which, yeah, I'm sure I knew that, but I kind of forgot all about it. And so that was a surprise to me. And there have been a few surprises for me in this episode so far, and there's going to be a lot more surprises coming up. But I digress, because now it's time for my favorite part of the show. Whoa, whoa. Welcome to Fish Out of Agua's Guest Artists of the Week! Woohoo! As I bring you another, I was going to say under the radar, about to blow up guest artist, but I think this girl's already blown up. Please welcome to Fish Out of Agua, storyteller, m- musician, producer, and so much more, Leslie Goshka! Oh, thank you. What a nice introduction. Yeah, well, you're, you're a nice gal. Oh, stop. No, I'm really, really thrilled to have you, um, because we've known each other for, I'm going to say... A little over a decade. Yeah. So, um, being that we know each other for so long, yeah. I was trying to figure out before you got here, how and where did we meet? I don't remember. I don't friggin' know either. I don't know. I just feel like I've always known you. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it's Michelle. Yeah. Oh, Leslie. Yeah. So, okay, I'm thinking of two possibilities. One is through Ochi's Lounge with Cambry. Okay. But the other <laughs> one could be... Um, with Andy Christie and the Moth. Okay, you know what? I think it's the Andy Christie, but it's not from the Moth because as long as I've been doing this, and even though I get introduced, I used to often get introduced as a Moth performer, I've never performed on the Moth. You have never done not the Moth? once. Whoa! Not once. And it used to be, people always used to be, Moth, Grand Slam, champion! I was like, nope, never been on that stage. People said that? Oh, yeah. They just assumed. They just assumed. I've never, I have never, ever performed on a Moth. Wow! I do remember, we didn't meet, but I remember one of the first times I saw you, it was way back in the day, was it still called The Creek? Has it always been The Creek? It was Creek and Cave. Yeah, it was always Creek and Cave, but whose show was it? Was it, it Brad and Cindy's? I don't remember, but I remember I went there because Andy was there, and I had just started getting to know Andy through The Liar Show, and I overheard you talking about you were working on your book. Oh, That's my how God. long ago it was. That's that's. But I didn't meet you. I just overheard you talking to Andy. That's that's ten years ago. That's two thousand nine. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Long time ago. Wow. Okay. Crazy. So well, at least my memory was that's right. One of my I first said memories decade. of you. But yeah, I think wow. it was through Andy. Brad and Cindy used to run a story show around that time. Okay. Then it, maybe that was. Yeah. It. Maybe that was it. But it, yeah, it was always the Creek and Cave. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. We figured it out. 
Done. And I just like goodbye, everybody. Yeah, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> no, but I know that that you've done tons of shows. You, you and Andy Christie have a long history of collaboration together. Yes. Which we'll which we'll get into a little bit later. I will say on the record, he is one of my favorite people on the planet. Oh, he's one of mine I too. Love that. I man. love him. He's like the. You know how like James Brown is the godfather of soul? I think Andy Christie is the godfather of storytelling. He is. At he this is. point, for sure. And he brings us all together. I, he literally is one of the funniest, quickest. Like there, I just can't say enough good about him. Andy, we're talking about you. Uh, he is burning, Andy. <laughs> okay, so I also asked this of everybody. Where the hell are you from? <laughs> Midwest girl. You're Chicago, a Midwest Chicago, girl? Chicago, Illinois. Chicago, born and raised in Chicago? Born in Chicago, lived there for like the first three, four years of my life, and then my parents moved us to the suburbs where they still live. They're like 45 minutes outside the city. Okay, so Illinois. Yeah. For some, why did I think that you were from like a plain state? Because, probably because my husband, Kyle, uh, he's from Oklahoma. Oh. And I went to school in Oklahoma, and then I lived... Between school and living out there, I was there for like seven years. But Chicago? Yeah. So, let's see. Because I always like to ask, you know, where people's ori- family origins are from. So I'm going to take... Uh, I'm going to do profiling. I'm going to... I'm going to do... You know what? Actually, most people think I'm Asian, which is a crazy... I, I get that all the time. Well, you know, if you do 23 and Me, maybe you have some Siberian in you. Are you Slavic? There you go. Well, um, I was doing um, uh, regional profiling. I think that... With immigration, a lot of Slavic and Central European people, when they came here, tended to settle in the North Midwest. Uh, my dad is the first generation born here. He's Ukrainian. Oh, okay. And Polish. And then my mom is uh, German and Danish. Wow. So, hey, I pinned it right. Slavic and, and Slavic and Scandinavian. There you go. Wow. <laughs> Such warm people. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have siblings? I have one sister. Okay, older or younger? Older, four years oh, old. Oh, so you're the baby. I am the baby. You're the baby. Like you couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> An you know what? I, I can kind of tell. But you know what? I'm the oldest and I'm a performer too. So, you know, I don't think birth order has to do with being a weirdo. Yeah. You're just a weirdo. You're just wired, <laughs> you're just... You're just wired differently than the rest of right? the humans. So that brings me to my next question. All right. When did you realize you were one of the weirdos? Uh, when did you realize that there was something in you that was a little different than the way other people were operating and acting and thinking? And um, I mean, like, when I was a kid, I mean, like, but my my family is artistic. Yeah, yeah. Like my mom, um, she was like a belly dancer, hippie living on the beaches of Hawaii. For real? Oh yeah, and she uh, she's an amazing painter. Um, she plays guitar, piano, um, like. She she does quilting and homemade stuff. Like she's very artistic. Wow. Um, my dad is a little bit more. I mean, he very smart guy. He literally has like a genius IQ. Very technical, um, all of that. But he really appreciates the arts. Like I, we always grew up with music. He loved classical music, classic rock music. Um, Did he play? No, he never played. But he loves it. Like his favorite thing to do is watch DVD concerts. So. That's that's so fantastic. That means that your creativity was supported when you were young then. Mm, not really. Okay. Like, I wasn't very... My parents would say probably that I was hyper and I was loud. But then as I got older, like, like in my teens, uh, I was pretty subdued. Like, very type A, just really focused on school, just kind of doing all that. But I always did, uh, like, dance and theater. And my mom, though, uh, she put me in piano lessons when I was really young. 
and she was supportive with that. But they, like, but then they kind of like, they're just like, do your thing. Like I said, like they're not like they're the older they get, the, a little bit more they're warmer now. But when I was younger, they're they they dropped me off at my piano recital and then we'll pick you up after. Like they definitely weren't stage parents. They weren't right. telling me to do anything. So it's like if I was doing something, it's because I wanted to. Did you start writing at a young age? No. So music is your thing. That or music was your thing, and you sang as well. Not until I was older. Okay. But the the piano stuff, I was classically trained, and I would compete in Chicago. Like, I would do all these piano competitions wow. and stuff. Wow. So, like, some kids would be in beauty pageants, you would be in the piano pageant? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did it for years. Like, wow. I still have all my medals and my pins and my ribbons. Did, so and... your parents drove you around the state? To my mom did. Oh, my dad wow. was kind of like, do your thing. Like, he, he, he would tell me to stop practicing because he wanted to watch the Bears. Like, that's oh, how support. Oh, my God. He's like, can we stop the games on? Pragmatic dad. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about what it was like to be in one of those piano pageants. Did they, like, have to dress you up with, like, a bony hair and crinolines piano and stuff? Pageants. Yeah. <laughs> oh, competition. I think of it as a pageant. It, 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 I mean, relatively, there's a certain, there's a certain pomp and circumstance yeah. to it. You know, there's a certain, like, you have to dress a certain way, and there's a very certain way you announce what you're going to play. Like, I shall play for you, da-da-da-da-da, and the way you sit down, and the way it all goes. Like and, a recital. Yeah. Like a dance recital. Yeah, and you have to, like, there's certain ways you have you have to present your music to them, laid out, you know, in a certain way, so that they can check what you're playing and all of that. It's funny. Right. I haven't thought about this in years. They'll dock you, like, if I miss a rest or a dynamic or something like that. They have the music there to be like, okay, in the comments, they'll be like, measure 17, you didn't like when you're at that level and doing that stuff like they don't mess around wow yeah. so when you did one of these piano recitals piano pageant <laughs> I, I i just like piano pageant we'll call it piano pageant i like it because i'm just thinking of all these kids like dressed in their very stiff starch sunday best with like bowls and crinoline like yeah. suits and like and them are having breakdowns because right. they they fuck up and well i bet you won a lot of them. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to bet that you won most of them. I, for all the ones I did, and this, this is just more a testament that I'm just anal retentive, but um, I only have one silver medal, and of course, that's the one I remember. Oh, that is All so the other ones I have, I, I couldn't tell you, but the, one, the time I came in second, I was so bummed. So when you were in high school, did you continue with piano pageants or did you join the band or no. something? My high school was weird. There was a public high school right by my house and my sister had graduated from there. But for some reason, my mom sent me to this Calvinist high school outside of Chicago. So I had to take the train every day, the commuter line. And they didn't really have like a, a good arts program. So I had been in band before playing the trombone. Don't ask me why I played the trombone. I just... <laughs> when I got into high school, I actually stopped playing piano. I didn't play. I just, wow. Because I, 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 I'd already done all the competitions. And mm. and you won them all. Yeah. I, just, <laughs> yeah, I knew I wasn't going to do that. Well, I thought I wasn't. I was like, I'm not going to be a concert pianist. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to play in an orchestra. I didn't want to whatever. And then half the time was spent like commuting to school. Right. It was way out of the way. And I know what it takes to practice for that. And so I didn't, I didn't, I gave it up for years. So because you didn't want to go on the track that, piano pageantry <laughs> that the pageantry was taking you towards you just got off that train yeah for a bit yeah so you were in but you were in band all through high school with, no, the, with uh, the trombone in junior high was okay. from from fifth to eighth grade I was in band and then I gave up music for all of high school and then I just focused on academics wow really yeah no acting uh, at the end uh, like I did one community theater <laughs> because so, like I can't believe that you were not in drama club 
We didn't in have one. You didn't have one. They didn't it, in they Chicago. Didn't, they was what? at my particular school. Oh, because it was Calvinist. It was, we didn't have proms. We didn't have dances. Calvinist is like the strict Protestant sect, right? They like. They, it's like it's all based on predestination and John Calvin and all this stuff. Oh, so it's... they're not the ones from Footloose. No, <laughs> but we couldn't dance. I mean, we had a, a really strict dress code, and oh, so they are the ones from Footloose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a different sect of it. Okay. So it was really like they didn't. They had a drama club the last year I was in school, and it was the guy who taught uh, our art class. It was like one of those where he's like, I'll teach drama. Totally not qualified, but he, at least we got to do some plays. And I did one community theater show when I was in high school, and but I couldn't drive yet. And my mom had to take me to all the rehearsals, and she was so pissed. She was, you talk about like, she wasn't most supportive at the time. She was like, she goes, you can't do another community theater show until you can drive, because she's like, I'm not doing this every night. So I, so I didn't do anything until my senior year of high school. I did like wow. two shows, and that was it. So how did you survive? Oh, you did academics. I did academics. So, and I don't say this to be like, oh, I'm so great, but because I literally just kind of poured everything into it. So I was valedictorian. I was salutatorian in my junior high, and I was valedictorian of my high school. Oh, so you're smart. Yeah. We still end up in the same bars well, performing. So this is true. <laughs> so when you were looking for colleges, did you want to escape Chicago? Did you decide you wanted to be creative again? What did, What were you looking for? So I wasn't even going to go to college. I didn't. My parents were very. Like, but you were the valedictorian. How could you? That's not the only college? reason I decided to. Like, uh, they, my parents were like, it's like that '80s, like hands off. My parents, they didn't go to college. My dad went to like one semester and he dropped out. And then um, my mom never went, so they never pushed college. They never talked to me about college. They were never like, think about your future. Like my plan, this was my plan. I was going to graduate high school, and be a secretary, and that was my plan. <laughs> Well, I'm really glad that plan didn't work yeah, out. Right? <laughs> what what foiled that? So a schoolmate of mine was going to a college weekend to check out the school, and I went with her, and then I was like, okay, I guess I'll go to college. So what college was it? Oh, God, Oral Roberts University. <laughs> Isn't that a fundamentalist Christian yeah. school? Yeah. That's because my mom was very religious at the time. Like, we, we went to kind of like a cultish church. Like, I, we were in church all the time. My whole life was church and school. Was it like Pentecostal church? Yeah. It was like fundamentalist, Pentecostal, speaking in tongues, casting out devils, all that stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. I grew up with that, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. My, yeah. my grandmother, man. Iglesia Pentecostal. Yes. Woohoo! So, Oral Roberts University, yeah. one of the fundamentalist Christian schools... Yeah. In Oklahoma. Yeah. Now, you went there because of your friend went there? Or well, so because did your mother push that My on you? mom basically said, if you were going to go to college, this is your only option. Because she was so fundamentalist. For real? For real. So, I was like, okay, I guess this is my option. And in Chicago, you have so many great universities. Oh, I know. And it would have been free. And, like, I, I would have paid, like, nothing. Yeah, because you would like the valedictorian and yeah, shit. Yeah, I just paid off my school loan, like, two years ago. I just paid it off. Congratulations. At least Thanks. you paid it off. Oh, I mean, I'm not happy I had debt from going to Oral Roberts University. but um, Was it expensive compared to other schools? I mean, well, I mean, back then. I mean, like, if I was going to go to an in-state school, I would have... I would have been fine, but my first year was paid for because I had an academic scholarship. I had um, a music scholarship. So I, I hadn't been playing for all of high school. And then I was like, shit, I need some money. So I started... I took one summer and... Uh, practiced my balls off and got a audition tape together. Um, you, wait, this is piano. You were yeah, practicing. classical. So, uh, so wait, but you have, but how long had it been since you had played? Because years. You said years. So like, like five years? Uh, like 
three, four, something like that. Were you able to pick it up again, like riding a bike, or was it difficult? I practiced a lot. My whole, my entire summer was getting a repertoire, because you have to do, like, we want a piece that's Baroque, we want a piece that's Impressionistic, we want a piece that's modern, you know, and that takes a lot to get your chops back up with that. So for a summer, I just practiced like crazy. I hired someone to teach me and get my tape together, and I sent in the tape, and I got a scholarship. Wow. Yeah. So was music your uh, major? I went in as a music, as a classical piano major, (laughs) which is so ridiculous. I am finding it hard to believe (laughs) that at Oral Roberts University, you could major in classical piano because in my mind, and I'm just coming from it from my prejudices or whatever, it's like you, you, you major in speaking in tongues, casting out devils, praying. Well, (laughs) You know, one of our gen wailing and gnashing of wailing teeth. and gnashing of teeth. Uh, one of but you do do that a bit because the the gen eds their gen eds are crazy. One of my gen eds. What's you, a gen ed? General education class you have oh, to okay. take. You know, like okay. English or math oh, or whatever. Okay. One of the gen ed class you have to take is charismatic life and the healing ministry. And the Old Testament is required. That's a class. New Testament. That's a class. Oh, and you have to um, you have to show proof that you're going to. Uh, Sunday service outside of school every week. It's different now. I know that they've eased up on some of these rules because they had a bunch of scandals and stuff that happened. So I don't know what it is now, but like we had to wear skirts to class every day. We had to wear skirts to chapel. We had, we had, the girls had a curfew. The guys didn't, which was messed up. The guys couldn't have facial hair. They can't have beards. Could you dye your hair? I used to dye my hair all the time, but you couldn't do anything like crazy. Okay, crazy. so you couldn't do like manic panic. No. So like you could dye your hair like blonde or something. I shaved. Or I had highlights. to go to summer school one time during summer, and I shaved my head when I was there. <gasps> you shaved, shaved your head. My, shaved my head, and that uh, was that like a protest. That was just I was sick of being there. I tried to leave after my sophomore year because I just I don't I didn't believe in what the school stood for. I didn't believe in that religion. I didn't you know I wanted to do the arts so I wanted to get out of there but at that point you have two years of classes like fucking charismatic life in the healing ministry then, they're, they're not, not going to transfer tra- oh so God. I looked into a bunch of schools around Chicago and they all told me I'd have to start over as a freshman that's how many credits I had that would not transfer. So, so I was going into my junior year, and they said you're yeah. Start so you're, you're like going to be 21, yeah. and like you would have to start all over again, like from 18. Correct. And you were just like, fuck this. Yeah. So yeah. then I was like, I just have to finish here because my parents weren't paying for anything. I paid for everything. So between scholarships and my own money and taking out school loans, I was like, I can't afford to start over again. Wow. So now I am an Oral Roberts University graduate, summa cum laude. <laughs> Of course you are. So uh, would it be safe to say that because you didn't transfer out, you met your husband? Yeah. That's the only way I met him. Wow. <laughs> because we met each other my junior year, and that's the year I would have left. So uh, maybe there was a little bit of divine intervention there, Leslie. It's going to be our 15-year wedding anniversary this wow. year, which is oh, crazy. And the story of you and Kyle's romance is really, really cool. Do you mind um, sharing a little bit of that? Sure. You, you, you were very I don't know what's young. so cool about it. <laughs> well, you guys eloped. Yeah, we met in school, and then I graduated, though, before him because he had taken a year off. So I went back to Chicago, and we did long distance, so I did a theater tour, and he was finishing up. Well, how did you get into this theater tour? Hold on. Oh, so I went back to Chicago, I graduated, and I just started going to auditions right off the bat. Wait, but how? how Well, I graduated with a theater degree. I changed my major. Oh, okay. So I was doing theater. All right. Um, And then I went on this audition. It was for a children's theater tour, and I got it. And so for three months, I was on the road doing this tour. So then, um, so Kyle was still in Oklahoma, and I was 
on the East Coast during during this tour. Then I came back to Chicago. He graduated, and then he went to Spain. Actually, no, he must have still been in school because it was a study abroad, So, but it was towards the end. So for a year, we did long distance. We never saw each other. I'm really surprised that worked out. <laughs> and then um, I moved down to Oklahoma because I didn't want to do long distance. And then uh, we were both so broke, and everything. our families were so far apart that we just decided to elope. But this this jabroni he calls his mom because it, there was map quest i don't know why he just didn't map quest this he calls his mom and asks for directions to the courthouse and she goes why are you going to the courthouse i had no idea he did this and he goes well we're gonna elope and she goes well can your dad and i come and he told them yes fast forward five cars of his family show up his grandparents his mom his dad his sisters his brothers aunts cousins so he's from oklahoma yeah, so his whole family was at our elopement, and no one from my family was. Whoa! And did, I'm still that, getting shit about I that. I was going to say, that how much of a rift did that I'm cause? I'm still getting shit. And what's also bizarre is, so we've been together 17 years. Our families have never met. Not once. <laughs> wow. I was I was going to say, did did your parents, like, hate Kyle? They, they love him. I think they like him better than they like me. Huh, well, they lo- They love him. Okay, is there a reason why the parents have never met? Is it logistics or is it's it just logis- like it's always it's always logistics? Like I said, my my dad's a thousand years old. He's not leaving the house. <laughs> he doesn't want to travel if he doesn't have to. And his parents, they just never like it was always like a money issue or traveling or family or something. Mm. And they came to Chicago once, and my parents were going to meet up. They were we had it planned. And then his dad, Kyle's dad, got food poisoning. And then they couldn't. And that was the one time we were all in the same place. I think it's fine. Like, everyone gets along fine. They've talked on the phone. They just never met. Wow. (laughs) Kitty. Yes, cat we, is so pretty. We have Jubilee. Oh, baby. Oh, look. Oh, she oh. likes you. She doesn't you do that laugh? to... She doesn't do that to hardly oh anybody. Oh, Keep this on the podcast. I'm cat approved. You are... Oh, she's sitting on your... La- oh, okay. oh, it was a pastor. Okay, it was a pastor. But still... Well, right. no, she she shook her little she shook her tail got, at I, you. I got a little I got a little butt and a tail at you. Yeah, she shook her tail at you. Oh All right, God. cats on the air. <laughs> okay, so where did you guys live after this elopement? Um, I found an apartment uh, for three hundred and seventy five dollars a month. Where in Tulsa? Oh, just... so the apartment came first. Yeah, I got the apartment, and then the elopement came very short after, and then he just moved in, and then we just went to work the next day like nothing ever happened. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Wait, you didn't have a honeymoon? We didn't have a honeymoon until our 10-year anniversary. Whoa! That was the first time we ever took, like, a trip that was not family-related. Wow. So, what kind of work were you guys doing? I was a daytime bartender at a P.F. Chang's, and uh, he was a uh, airport shuttle valet. We just both worked for tips. That's what we did. Um, and then, uh, to Bridget, I was doing community theater and through, uh, a cast party I went to the accompanist there, she was like, Oh, I, I am an accompanist at this charter school, uh, for high school there. They need a new choir teacher. Um, you should apply. And I was like, Nope. <laughs> like I'm not qualified. I'm not necessarily like a kid lover. Like this sounds like a horrible idea. And then I got the job. (laughs) I taught drama class. I taught music theory. I taught musical theater, uh, a class called plays and playwrights. So I taught all that stuff. At a high school level? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you had to come up with curriculums and everything? It was the most stressful thing. Like, it was so stressful. Do you think you were a good teacher? Did your students relate to you? 
I'm still Facebook friends with a lot of them, and I still get them. Mess- they will still message me to this day, being like, "You're one of my favorite." Like, I no one's more shocked than me. Well, but, you know, I'm thinking that there wasn't a big age differential no. there. You were probably like five years older than them. Exactly. So, so basically, you were like their older sister. But kind of sorta. because I was so close in age to them, there really only was like six years between some of us, um, and I looked really young too. And so whenever we'd go like out for like field trips to go see a play or something like people always thought I was one of the students so I was a very strict teacher because I was like I'm not going to have them take advantage of this thinking that we're all buddy buddy so like I was I mean I was young and like we had fun but I was very very strict you showed up on time you didn't chew gum in my class you didn't have your phone out in my class and you didn't mess around in my class <laughs> if you did you got kicked out don't mess with <laughs> don't then now, were you using your husband's name then or were you did you always stay goshka always stayed goshka so they they call me miss g miss g oh i like that <laughs> miss g that's cool so now how long did you did you teach Two years. Two years. And was Kyle working at the airport all this time? So he worked at the airport the first year, and then I, I told him I they had an opening for an English teacher, and I told him that, because his, his degree is in English, and he's a really smart guy, so he ended up uh, getting hired full-time there to teach AP English. And his students scored the highest in the entirety since the school had been open. Wow. Under, under him, they scored the highest. He loves literature, so because he loves it, his students loved it. You know, it's very like, um, what was that Robin Williams? Oh. Dead Poets Society. Yes, Dead Poets Society. Like, you know, because he's so passionate about it, his students always really liked it. We had very different teaching styles. Very different I could see that. Well, you, you, <laughs> but you, you guys just have very different styles, period. We and do. And that's probably what makes it stay together. God God knows I'm a lot to handle. So. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> and God knows. <laughs> yeah, see? Everyone's got their thing. So, conceivably, conceivably... You guys could have just stayed where you were and made a life. Oh, But yeah. then something happened to get you to come to New York. So what was the tipping point for you that made you realize that you had to come to New York? So I was doing a lot of theater and I was always on, um, that's when I finally had like a laptop and I was <laughs> like using the internet more and everything. And I would go to all these websites like, you know, broadwayworld.com, playbill.com. I was really obsessed with Broadway and musicals and all that. I was constantly on there. And that's how I found out that they, when Hairspray was on Broadway, they had a contest that they were doing online. It was an online dance contest. So you upload a video of yourself performing to one of the songs from the show. And it was going to be this whole, they had like celebrity ju- like judges that were also going to look at it. Um... But it was also votes, votes just online voting, and that's how they were going to determine the winner. And the winner got flown to New York to perform uh, for one night on Broadway with the cast of Hairspray. Wow. So I was like, yeah, I have the confidence of a 20-something-year-old. I'll go ahead and try this. So, like, I didn't have a camera I, it was 11 p.m. because I think we were in tech for a show and, you know, you teach all day. And I went to my friend's house at like 11 p.m., got their camera, and I recorded it during my plan period the next day at school. This, like, little dance routine I came up with. And then my the uh, band teacher, because I was totally inept at editing anything, he helped me upload it and everything. And I got it in just just by the deadline. And then what? And then I won. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm waiting for that punchline. Hey. Wow. Like, how was that? Awesome. <laughs> you know, it's really, well, it's really deceptive because you're like, oh, this is easy. I'm on Broadway. Yeah, let's move. 
and that's how that happened. Which cast was it? It was was it the original cast? It was not the original cast. Um, the girl who played Tracy was Shannon Durig, and it's so funny. I ran. I did a show that was uh, at UCB, and it was based upon Hairspray. So they're finding people who had performed in it, and it was like, what is this? Almost like eight or nine years later, and the girl who played Tracy was on that same show, and I hadn't seen her since I did it. And I was like, do you remember me? I was the girl who won the contest. She's so nice. Did she remember you? Yeah, she did. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But what did you do on stage with them? So I was supposed to do one number, and then they were very nice um, because I picked it up pretty fast, and so they put me in two more numbers. So, so. you were dancing and singing? Uh, I Well, I was singing, but I wasn't mic'd because the whole thing was a dance contest. They didn't know if I could sing. Right, right. Oh, right. That didn't right, stop right. me. From, yeah, it wasn't based on your acting or your singing. It was all a dance contest. Does um, the video of your application exist <laughs> anywhere? Do you know what? I tried to... It is so buried in the internet. I, like, even if you Google it, it, it won't come Maybe up. the Wayback Machine. It's, I don't... I, I tried to find it years wow. ago. Wow. For... I want to see you busting dance moves, girl. Well, get me drunk enough. And I'll just do it <laughs> hmm, that could be arranged. Okay, <laughs> so you, so, so did Kyle come here with you? Yeah, they flew us both out and put us up in this really great um, hotel. It was like a two-bedroom suite with a kitchen, at, right in Times Square, right by the Neil Simon Theater. Wow! Oh my God, you were like living the dream. Oh yeah, you're Whoa. like, oh, this is easy to make it. <laughs> Had you been in New York before? No. Actually, no, that's a lie. I think oh. I had been here when I did that theater tour. Let me get the timeline right. Yeah, I had been here very quickly. I did a theater tour after college, so I was here for like a couple days. Okay, so your second time in New York. Yeah. You're on stage, on Broadway, and did you and Kyle just stay, or did you actually go back home? And... Well, we had to go back because it was in the middle of the school year. So that was in February when I did that, of 2007. And uh, so then we were... we had I had kind of known I either wanted to move back to Chicago and do improv... Because I was doing a lot of that, too, or either moved to New York and do musical theater, and we decided on musical theater. Wow. So when did you arrive in New York? July 24th, 2007. Wow. Right in the middle of a New York City summer. It was, yeah. <laughs> Garbage smell and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what neighborhood did you guys live in for, at the first? We lived uh, on 105th and Central Park West, which sounds way fancy. No, I know. But it's but not. It was it was a time it was literally like a three hundred square foot studio and the very first night we were there a uh, pipe burst in our uh, bathroom Ooh. flooded the shower like you go you you do this thing and you're like this is romantic we're moving here we're gonna pursue our dreams and then everything falls to shit in twelve hours you didn't end up staying there very long it was a co op and they changed the subletting rules oh. so we had to move wow well, that's probably probably for the best us uh, uh, studios are not really good for marriages. <laughs> They're not. We, well, it kind of worked out. We had very opposite schedules. He started doing legal proofreading, so he would work through the night, mm. and then I was there. But I mean, we were. And what were you doing? What kind of work were you doing? I wasn't doing anything. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure you were letting your husband support you. <laughs> I, was, I was doing a whole lot of nothing, is what I. No, I no, was, you I was probably, auditioning. You were auditioning. Did, did you try to find an agent or anything? Like, what, were you, what was your plan? Were you taking classes? No, because we were broke. Like, we, we had all our savings. And we blew through that in no time. So I couldn't afford to take classes, and I'm, I was non-equity. And so you just have to stand in these lines all day. Yeah. Get super burnt out. No, we had no support system. We had no backup. We, didn't, we just did it on our own. Was there a big culture shock for either one of you coming here? I think more for him. Um, I mean, I grew, 
I didn't grow up in the city. Like I moved out of Chicago when I was kind of young to the suburbs, but you know, we'd go into the city often and it's, it wasn't too bad for me. More of a culture shock for me to go to Oklahoma. So, okay. So you guys are in the city. He's working as a legal proofreader. You're trying to get any audition you can get. Were you getting any of these auditions? Were you getting any parts, any roles? Hell no. <laughs> I was, it, it was really hard. It was really, really hard, really depressing. It's very isolating. So how, how many years was this dry spell for you? Oh, it'll end any day. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw, how did I find out about that? I think I saw maybe an ad in Backstage or something. I, I learned, somehow I found out about the Manhattan Monologue Slam. So they used to have them at the Bowery Poetry Club. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Yeah, I, Philip Galinsky. Yeah, the Galinsky brothers. Yeah. You know what? I, it was probably Time Out in New York. I was always looking ah. for free shows. And they had a bunch of free shows at Ochi's. Yeah, Ochi's Lounge was amazing. For that, Shout out know. to Cambry Crew. Hi, Cambry. And I auditioned for them, and they put me up, and um, I won the second time I did. What, what did that mean? What did that entail? Was there money involved? Was there any prestige? Um, they bring in, uh, you know, judges. Some of them are casting directors. Some of them are comedians. Tom Shalhoub was my one of my judges. Oh. And so then I also found out about comedy stuff from him. And he was very nice and helped out with that. Um, sometimes you'd win, like, headshot packages. So I met Tom Shalhoub. And then there was another woman who was a musical theater agent. And she had me come in and audition for her. Um, I didn't. She didn't sign me. I, I was just really green. I just didn't have a good support system. I don't think I was set up super well for that. But, um, I mean, you fucking learn. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you learn the more you do it. So. so you were doing open mics. I was doing a lot of open mics. Did you have it in your mind that you were maybe going to become a stand-up comedian? Yeah. I don't know what I thought. I thought... Because I never... People would always be like, oh, you should go on SNL. You should do SNL. And I was like, I don't want to do sketch. I'm not I'm not a real sketch person. Um, I don't know what I thought. I, I, just, I just started kind of doing stuff that interested me without a total end goal. So I was doing stand-up. I was doing improv. The Galinsky brothers also then started an improv troupe. I started doing improv with them. I joined another improv troupe later on. I, I was writing. Cambry actually had... Uh, she, I think she was hooked up with the Metro Funny page somehow where you could submit stuff through her. I was writing a, a couple of my jokes made it in there. So I was just writing and performing and, and then still going to some musical theater auditions. I was just throwing a lot of darts. So what got you into storytelling? How did you discover that? That was Ochi's Lounge. So Sarah Benincasa, shout out to Sarah Benincasa. Sarah Benincasa. I love her. Um, she had a show at Ochi's called, um... Family Hour with Auntie Sarah. I remember that. Yes, and you would tell a five-minute story about your family, and I had all these crazy stories about my family. And so uh, she put me up, and she would just keep rebooking me, and she was super supportive. Um, her and her boyfriend at the time were saying, you should keep doing these stories. This is really where you kind of shine. Um, and so I just started... and. Storytelling was just kind of, I feel like, there weren't a lot of storytelling shows, but it was just kind of starting. And that's when I started my storytelling show at Ochi. So what made you start Sideshow Goshko? Uh, well, I was broke. And I don't know, I just thought, you know, it would be a consistent thing I could do. Um, where, where I could host something, I could have something, I could maybe build up some press credits. So I was just looking to like build something up. And also, you know, I was so broke, I knew what it was like to not be able to go places. I guess altruistically I wanted 
people to have a place where they could see like good comedy. And it's been going on for 10 years now. Sideshow Gosh, go always free, always at a Soviet, Soviet bar. bar. Yep. The KGB bar. I didn't know I was going to do the show for 10 years. I mean, because people were like, you should have monetized it. I was like, yeah, I probably should have. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years of doing a free show, giving away free wine every month. I mean, it's a lot. But in the years since then, you've become one of the most accomplished storytellers. Your your name is everywhere. Oh, that's you're, very kind. You're, you've been well. It's, it don't have to be kind. It's true. <laughs> that's true. You you know you you perform. You've done a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of collaborations with Andy Christie of the mm-hmm. Liar Show. Thanks, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I know also that your writing career has taken off a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I was I was writing consistently for the Huffington Post for uh, quite a while. Yes, about with your cat, Tater. Yeah, a lot about cats. Yeah. <laughs> a lot about cats. I mean, just just a long story short here, um, you adopted a cat and you found out you were deathly allergic to the cat and you didn't want to give up the cat, so you subjected yourself to three years of torture so you could keep the cat. Yep, a lot of allergy shots. You summed that up perfectly. <laughs> yeah, but because uh, I followed that blog. So, yeah, I was writing for the Huffington Post. I had already done a one-woman show as part of the Frigid Festival. Um, that got good reviews. And then through Sideshow, you know, well, you know, I mean, we got to do Impractical, Impractical Jokers happened. We've Sideshow has been on NPR. Um, it's really taken you far. It's taken me to, it's taken me to Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> it's to the Fish Out of Agua podcast. So one thing we didn't talk about was how you have been able to go back to your old love of music and become a working musician in New York City. Yeah, I did not see that coming. Yeah. Want to talk about that a little bit. Um, Tommy Pryor introduced me to the Losers Lounge, which is, um, led by Joe McGinty and the Joe McGinty 7. Hi, Joe. Joe McGinty and David Terhune. Yes. Hi, David Terhune. That whole group is just so great. And, uh, they have a residency at Joe's Pub and they've, uh, did they just celebrate 25 years? I, I think, think so. Was. Describe in one sentence who, because I don't think everybody knows who the Losers Lounge are and what is, they do. It, so it's a band that does um, a tribute. Uh, each show is a different tribute. So they'll maybe do a tribute to David Bowie, Aretha Franklin, um, Joni Mitchell, and they cover a wide catalog of artists and they do these tribute nights and they have like up to 25 singers, people who have been on Broadway, people who have toured. Um, some of the backup singers are backup singers for Ronnie Spector. I mean, they're all, they're all pros and um right joe mcginty was the keyboardist for the psychedelic, psychedelic furs. furs and he's played i mean these guys have just played on everything but I'd, I'd never heard of them and my friend tommy Pryor took me one of the shows and he was like i think you would just be a good fit you know and forever indebted to him i'm forever indebted to joe mcginty they welcomed me aboard, and it's 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 a wonderful thing. It's one of my favorite shows to do. And you are doing it. You've been doing it for how many years now? Four, three, years, four three or years? four years. And that, like that has led you to doing piano karaoke at, at Joe McGinty's other he, establishment. Yeah, he opened a um, a piano bar called Sid Gold's Request Room, and it's on Twenty Sixth and Seventh. Uh, and he, before he even opened it, he had been doing car- piano karaoke at I think Manhattan Inn. Uh, when that was still there, and um, at another hotel, and so Tommy had made this introduction. I'd never met him, it was via email, and he found out I played piano, and he asked me to sub for him, and I was like, I had never heard of piano karaoke, and I was like, how many songs do you need to have? He's like, well, you could start off with like 150. I was like, 150? (laughs) Like, that blew my mind, because I hadn't been playing for a while. I was just like, oh my God. So I I was scared out of my wits, and then when he started the bar, he asked me, 
um, to play there. And I, I think I said no a couple times because I was just so nervous about it. And then I finally, um, was like, I'd like to give it a try if you'll still have me. And he was so gracious. And now I am their regular Saturday night pianist and this spring I'll have been playing there three years. That's amazing. So it's almost like the thing that you gave up you're doing it now and you're making part of your living at it. That's fantastic. I get, I get living the dream. Gosh, go. It's crazy. I'm very, I'm very, 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 very fortunate. And I don't take any of that for granted. Like I, I get to play at a piano bar weekly. I have my own night. I get to sing with an amazing group, the losers lounge. I get hired out to play gigs, um, with different bands for one-offs. Um, I have a friend who he works with music and recording. He he'll bring me in when he needs like I get hired gigs. Out to do yeah gigs gigs for Gig music gig life yeah wow so what's what's coming up next for you on the horizon? Well, uh, we just had the ten year anniversary of Sideshow Gashko, so now we're just trucking along. Uh, Sideshow Gashko is the fourth Thursday of every month, always free. Always at a Soviet bar, KGB bar, 7 p.m. And then, um, what else? I have, I'm playing in my friend's band. She has a, a, a show called Time Capsule. It's going to be at the Cutting Room. That's in March. Just, uh, just trucking along with, you know, music and, and storytelling. And I have a couple other writing things I'm working on, but... Those, those aren't ready for release yet. She has the Cheshire Cat look <laughs> on her face right now. Ooh, so if pe- people want to find out more about you and your fabulousness, about Sideshow Goshko, a Loser's Lounge show, or anywhere else where you're appearing, where can they find you? I'm so glad you asked, Michelle. Uh, you can find me at leslygoshko.com. That's L-E-S-L-I-E-G-O-S-H-K-O. Uh, dot com and that has all my gigs and stuff about Sideshow Gashko and Losers Lounge and piano karaoke and all that good stuff. And IG Twitter, uh, Twitter is Oh My Gashko, and you can follow me on Instagram too at Leslie Gashko. Everything is covered. And I'm on. The, I'm everywhere. Yeah, it's all... she is. So Leslie, I ask this question of everyone when we come to to the end of our chat together. If you had a word or two or three of advice and or encouragement for a person who knows that they have more inside them that either the confines of their upbringing or their circumstances would allow them to explore or become, what would you tell this person? I, I, I just believed I could do it. I like, I, and I did have a few, I didn't have a huge support system here, but I do have a handful of people that I really trust that will shoot me straight and they were always in my corner and they were people I could talk to when I was really feeling down about shit um and just to remind yourself of stuff that you've also done that you're that you can look back and say hey this was a win I did this so if I did that I can do this and I do have a thing where I just keep putting myself out there I I just I always think why not you know, I'll enter a contest for hairspray. Why not? I'll I'll pitch this thing for Huffington Post. Why not? You know, J- just why not? What a, you really don't have anything to lose. Just you know, do your due diligence. I think that's a huge part. Do your research. Do your due diligence. Don't rely on other people to do the work for you. Be prepared, and then go for it. 
That's what I would say. And then you win. <laughs> and then you win. Oh, Leslie, thank you so much for being on Fish Out of Agua. Thank you so much for having me. You're a wonderful hostess. Mm. I appreciate it. Hug on the air. Hug on the air. We always end with a hug on the air. Yeah. Woohoo! And we're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. Oh my gosh, go. I so enjoyed hearing Leslie. Yay, Leslie! Like her on Facebook. Follow her on Twitter because you can. One announcement before we go. Um, did you know that Radio Free Brooklyn has a free after-school program called Teen Squad? Radio Free Brooklyn teaches teens 15 to 18 the basics of radio broadcasting, media literacy, ethics, and journalistic best practices at our studios in Bushwick. The next Teen Squad after-school spring session is from April 29th to June 11th. The deadline to apply is April 10th. And did we mention it's free? Now, of course, if you're not a, a, a teen, you can't be on it, but maybe one of you listening knows one. Just go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com forward slash RFB Teen Squad. Well, kids, that's our show. You have been listening to Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. We're going to close with the last of Leslie's picks. For also from Elton John, we're bookending. This is Rocket Man from his Honky Chateau album in 1972. Tune in to Brooklyn Bandstand next, and we'll see you next week. Woohoo! 9 a.m. And I'm going to be high as a kite by then. I miss the earth so much. I miss my wife. Lonely out in space On such a timeless flight And I think it's gonna be a long, long time To touch down brings me round again to find Just my job five days.